There is one behavior that underlies all good leadership, treating everyone with respect. It's the fundamental foundation of any relationship, and yet many managers struggle to express it. And right now, employees need to hear and feel they are respected. The world seems to have forgotten their niceties, and we could all show a little more respect. In this episode, we are sharing research on seven different ways leaders can lift their teams up and help them feel more respected. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zenger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th Percentile. I'm Brianna Corin. And joining me today is my co-host and renowned psychometrician, Joe Folkman. Hi, Bree. Uh, you know, all I'm asking for is just a little... A, a little respect. <laughs> That's it. Nice one. Nice one. Yeah. According to a U.S. poll, you're not the only one. Uh, they asked people, um, compared to like 20 or 30 years ago, do you think people are more rude, less rude? Or about the same. What, what do you What do you think they said? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm guessing more. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Seventy four percent said people were more rude, and this this poll actually happened before the pandemic. So I don't. I think after people would probably say it's even worse now. Mm, could be. Yeah, we've heard that especially from employees with customer facing jobs. It's gotten worse. Lawyers are reporting ruder clients. Restaurants are reporting ruder patrons. Flight attendants, wow, there's mayhem. Uh, <laughs> the FF, FFA has uh, uh, fined people thousands of dollars uh, for unruly behavior on airplanes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our good friend Kevin Wilde, he shared on LinkedIn the other day a sign from Baskin-Robbins that was like, the whole world is understaffed. Be nice to the people who showed up to work. Like these people showed up, so be nice. So yeah, we've we've kind of seen people express this. Like let's like come on guys, let's be a little bit kinder. And it's a little bit worrying. Research shows that rudeness is like the common cold. It's contagious. When you see other people do it, then you feel like you have this excuse to do it as well. It spreads quickly. Anyone can be a carrier at work, at home, online, or in communities, and getting infected doesn't take very much. So we've had these social rules to show respect, and we seem to be losing them. But leaders can set the tone in organizations for how people are treated. I mean, we see this trickle-down effect from the top on behavior, that's for sure. So earlier this year, Joe, you were looking into respect in organizations. So why don't you, I'll turn the time over to you to tell us a little bit more about what you found. Well, we collected data in 2022 from 4,849 employees who indicated that only 4% felt disrespected, whereas 86% felt respected. At first blush, that sounds encouraging. Mm -hmm. uh, those may seem like good numbers, but in our view, 4% is far too high. That's roughly one out of every 25 colleagues felt disrespected and they felt like they weren't belonging or perhaps they felt inferior. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine that people who felt 
this way, were able to do their best work and reach their potential. I like that you saw that 4% and you were like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> Dude, those people are just grumpy. No, like you're right. Like we want, especially when it comes to respect, like you want people to feel at least respected. So how can managers and leaders demonstrate respect more consistently? Well, we felt the research gave us some hints into everyday actions that increase the feeling of respect. And we generated correlation coefficients between individual behaviors and ratings from their followers on respect. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. Why don't you, for, just for fun, give a little background on what you're talking about with correlation coefficients for those of us who may not be as familiar. Usually I explain this by, you know, raising my hands and going up and down. But well, <laughs> these correlation coefficients measure across numerous leaders the extent to which negative scores on a particular leadership behavior is connected to lower scores on respect. Mm -hmm. In comparison, more positive scores on that behavior for another leader reflect more positive scores on respect. So high, high, low, low. Okay. Right? The larger the correlation coefficients, the stronger the connection between leader behavior and respect, which led to their colleagues' conclusion that they were being respected. Uh, this helped us uncover seven behaviors that led to the overall impression of respectful treatment. Ah, I feel smarter already. Okay, so what was the first behavior? The first behavior was valuing diversity. A common theme we've heard from those feeling disrespected is that I'm different or I don't fit in. Many leaders actively work to hire team members from diverse backgrounds, checking their unconscious biases and ensuring they're open to hearing diverse perspectives and opinions. Others go through the motions of assuming that they treat everyone equally, completely being unaware of their glaring blind spots. Our prior research showed that many leaders tend to under or overrate their skills in this area. To establish a groundwork of respect, leaders must be aware that they are not only doing everything they can to show that they respect the diversity and differences of others, but make clear that differences are valued. I can totally see why that was the first one, because it is it's a lot harder than we realize and people really should should basically assume that they're not good at it right like need to be hyper aware of how we can really show especially those that may be different from the overall makeup of your organization that they feel included leaders that felt like they respected others rated themselves at the 46th percentile just a little bit below average Mm -hmm. while those people that felt disrespected rated their managers at the 25th percentile or lower. Oh, wow. So there's a big gap, and a lot of people think they're being respectful, but they're not. Yeah. So the next important issue that you can do to show respect to others is staying in touch with issues and concerns of individuals. So while you may not be at work to find your best friend, most of us aren't. There needs to be a level of familiarity to establish respect that, you know, you care not just about the person coming in, checking off all the boxes, but that they're a person. So when you are last to find out about an employee or colleague who is struggling, you might be tempted to rationalize that 
as one of the downsides of being a leader that that's why you're the last to find out. After all, I mean, how can you know about everything going on with everyone, especially when the power imbalance does kind of create this natural social distance? So realistically, you can't, but you should be making an effort to convey that you are there for employees who may want to share sensitive issues or or even deep concerns. So set a goal to stay in contact with people as much as you can. You know, just to check in, how are you doing and to reiterate your commitment to supporting them when especially when they need it. You can do this by asking questions such as, you know, are are we making it possible for you to balance your work and your personal life or how is this how is your family doing at this moment? That can invite a more personal conversation. So staying in touch with people in this way, it really conveys respect. It shows that you care. It's interesting in survey research, we have sometimes people, we call them outliers. And there's this tendency to just throw them out because their response is so different than the, the average, right? And And so people think that that's realistic, you know, that, well, What's one person? In our research on trust, we discovered that if one person in your team distrusts you, it will significantly lower the level of trust from the rest of the team. That one thing, it's just contagious and it pulls the whole team down significantly. So, you know, you you can't sort of discount that. We know that trust is enhanced by three factors, positive relationships, sharing expertise and knowledge and consistency. And when you treat with people with respect, regardless of their ancestry, their language, their culture, their religion, or sexual orientation, you're enhancing your relationship, which generally increases the trust you have for them. Ah, good good lesson. Don't throw out the outliers, especially when it comes to trust, <laughs> which kind of leads to the next thing that you can do with showing respect and it's resolving conflicts. I think this is interesting because even a small conflict between a few team members can negatively impact the energy of the whole group and become a source of frustration. And it it encourages feelings of disrespect, especially if it's not dealt with. So too often when leaders notice conflicts between team members, they're like, I'm not going to intervene. I'm not their babysitter. They can take care of it themselves. But when they don't get involved, and then sometimes they do, and they're not consistent about it, it can create even more conflicts. So selective peacemaking conveys respect for some and a lack of respect for others. Um, My children say this especially because I defend the smallest, (laughs) the the, the baby boy of the family, and I let the two girls just hash it out. Like, you always always take care of the little one. Yeah. So yeah, selective peacemaking does not work. Conflicts in a team are like a small fire in a forest that if it's caught early can be easily put out, but when it's ignored, it can create significant damage. So leaders need to resolve conflicts quickly when they occur. And it doesn't mean you have to do all the work, but you need to be there. A respectful leader does not step back, but willingly engages in mending those conflicts. It's really true. When there's conflict in the group, it, everybody's walking on eggshells. They're just trying to avoid it. Yeah. Boy, and, and you don't love being at work. 
I, everybody says the managers, well, I didn't start this fight. Well, you need to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> finish it. Right. Yeah. Uh, the next one is balancing getting results for a concern for others. It's interesting when results become more important than people who deliver them, people feel disrespected. In most situations, this only requires making small exceptions for people, like when kids get sick or accidents happen or something, someone needs mental health breaks or something like that. But the impact on satisfaction and engagement will be significant. And not only for the person that's having the problem, but other people look at it and, and they feel like, gosh, we're, we're doing the right thing. The best leaders balance results with realities facing people who produce them. Organizations and leaders must listen to the pleas to establish a culture that supports better work-life balance. You can't freeze and unfreeze culture on demand. It's earned every day, and not just in one way, but through people processes, commitments, manager accountability, whom you recruit, whom you reward, that's written by, that's a quote by Microsoft Chief People Officer Kathleen Hogan. One of my favorites. It's such a good one. And I think it's so hard because I, all of these di very different generations working together in the workplace. And I know, I know your generation <laughs> that's still hanging around. When they hear from a Gen, Gen Z, like, I need a mental health day. It makes you squirm a little. It's it's hard on you because <laughs> you're like, back in my day, we didn't have mental health days, but it's a good thing. <laughs> so it is hard to kind of put put aside our biases and really, really understand what people need so that they can bring the best of themselves for the rest of the month if they need that mental health day. The next thing that shows respect is encouraging open discussion of problems and differences of opinions. And that comes from the leader, that encouraging, that saying like, we, you can share things here. The simple act of asking another person for their opinion is a powerful way to communicate respect. But you can't just ask. You have to listen and engage. And when a leader is willing to hear different perspectives and dig into problems that concern others, they show they value those team members. And you don't have to think the issue is important. You might even think it's trivial or their viewpoint is valid to do this. But moving past those reactions to genuinely listen and ask questions, that conveys respect. And it means so much to to those who are who are learning and growing and at different levels in the organization to feel like their voice is being heard. You can further enhance respect by actively listening to opinions that are contrary to yours. This conveys, I am open to a different way of thinking, and I want to understand more, and I hold you in high regard, even though we may have differing views. And I had to congratulate you that the other day when we were talking about the webinar next month, <laughs> we both had very different views, but you, you held in there. And listen to what I had to say. So <laughs> there you go. I applaud you, Joe Fogman. That was a rare event. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one is giving honest feedback in a helpful way. It's interesting when you look at the research on feedback, um, over 30% of the time, 
what you thought you were going to do with the feedback doesn't work. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> it fails. And, and so, you know, doing this in a helpful way, and that's the, that it's just not giving the feedback. It's not dumping it. Yeah. So direct and honest feedback can help people feel respected as long as it's delivered the right way. It ought to be fairly reflective of the person's performance. I, I mean, if you think about it, an employee who does 90% of the work correctly and only 10% incorrectly, if you thought about honest feedback, that would be 90% positive, 10% corrective. So in many cases, leaders give 0% positive and 10% corrective, yeah. which implies that all the leader cares about are your errors and mistakes. <laughs> uh -huh. This pointing out of negative behavior without balancing it with positive behavior doesn't work well. So that makes people feel disrespected. Yeah. And of course, respect can mean different things to different people. And the people you lead may care more about some of these behaviors than others. You know them. And as you increase your desire to show that respect, you'll see which one of these ways can be most helpful to your team members. Yes, the key is to consider all seven and then select the one or two that you believe matters to your employees the most and find authentic ways to do more of these behaviors. Great leaders are well-respected, but more importantly, they take deliberate, thoughtful steps to show the respect for their employees. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you are interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.